In the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, I welcome you to the First Baptist Church of Oregon City Worship Podcast. It is Pentecost Sunday, and that means that it's the Sunday that we recognize that God sent the Holy Spirit, just as Jesus promised he would, into the church to fill us, to lead us, to guide us, um, to remind us of everything that Jesus said and to be the power by which we do uh, everything as followers of Jesus. Pentecost is one of these great Sundays where we live out scripture in worship and then in our lives every day of the week because we recognize that the Holy Spirit is the power of God, the resurrection power, uh, the power that called Jesus from the dead the Holy Spirit is the Spirit of God living and active among us. Each follower of Jesus is a temple of the Holy Spirit. Every last one of us who calls on the name of the Lord, who believes that Jesus is Lord, that we order our lives in the ways of Jesus, we are filled with the Holy Spirit. And there's so many things in scripture that tell us who the Holy Spirit is, what the Holy Spirit does, how the Holy Spirit leads us. And then it's up to us to live this out day by day. But the Holy Spirit, the arrival of the Holy Spirit was the birth of the church. Uh, and as you'll hear uh, later through scripture, through proclamation of scripture, uh, the Holy Spirit gives birth to God's new people, the new people of God, the people of the new covenant of Jesus. When we celebrate the Lord's table, uh, we remember from scripture that Jesus said, this cup is the new covenant between God and his people. And the Holy Spirit is God himself drawing a new people together and using us to lead the world into the ways of Jesus into the ways of the kingdom. And this is part of the new creation. There's so much that could be said about Pentecost, uh, but I'll, 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 leave it, <laughs> I'll leave it right there for today. We wear red for Pentecost. You don't have to, um, but sometimes there are things that we can do that are a visible or physical reminder of what's going on uh, in worship or in our lives. And, uh, you know, red, we wear red for the color of fire. We wear red for the Holy Spirit. Um, there's a lot of church doors uh, of churches of all different varieties, uh, Baptist and otherwise, that are painted red, uh, especially if they lead into the sanctuary, uh, which is a recognition that when you walk into worship, you are going in through the power of the Holy Spirit. Uh, and so you can wear red today if you want to pause this and go put on a red sweater or a red flannel shirt or a red t-shirt. You can do that, but you don't have to. Uh, it's just a way to remind ourselves that we are filled with the Holy Spirit and it is visible in our church and in our lives. Out of a desire to love our neighbors well and to care for the most vulnerable among us, we continue to suspend in-person worship, but not for much longer. Uh, today is May the 23rd, uh, 2021, 
And on June 6th, 2021, we will be welcoming uh, people back into our church. Uh, we will be uh, returning to in-person worship. We call it regathering because the church never closes because the church can't be confined to a building. Uh, the church is us. The church is people who are filled with the Holy Spirit, who call on the name of Jesus Christ. And when we return to worship, we will be regathering because we have been worshiping together in this different way for a little over a year now. When we regather, things are going to look a little bit different. Uh, things will be a little bit different because our times are a little bit different right now. And we need to do things, can do things to continue to love and care for one another. And so we'll be coming out with more details about those in the coming days and weeks. But right now, we're just thankful and grateful um, that we have vaccines that are working. We're grateful that we have cared for each other so much over the past year and that we are filled with the Holy Spirit. As we sing and as we worship and as we pray and as we hear God's word read and proclaimed this morning, we do all of this through the power of the Holy Spirit, God living in each and every one of us. Not that we are gods ourselves, but that everything we do in Jesus' name is fueled by the power of the Holy Spirit. And as you go through this worship service with us this morning, I pray that you would have a strong sense of the power of the Holy Spirit that unites each and every one of us. Hear the word of the Lord. If you love me, obey my commandments, and I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate who will never leave you. He is the Holy Spirit who leads into all truth. The world cannot receive him because it isn't looking for him and doesn't recognize him. But you know him because he lives with you now and later will be in you. No, I will not abandon you as orphans. I will come to you. Soon the world will no longer see me, but you will see me. Since I live, you also will live. When the Father sends the Advocate as my representative, that is, the Holy Spirit, he will teach you everything and will remind you of everything I have told you. I will send you the Advocate, the Spirit of Truth. He will come to you from the Father and will testify all about me. And you must also testify about me because you have been with me from the beginning of my ministry. When the Spirit of Truth comes, he will guide you into all truth. He will not speak on his own, but will tell you what he has heard. He will tell you about the future. He will bring me glory by telling you whatever he receives from me. All that belongs to the Father is mine. This is why I said, the Spirit will tell you whatever he receives from me. I am leaving you with a gift, peace of mind and heart. And the peace I give is a gift the world cannot give. So don't be troubled or afraid. For we know how dearly God loves us because he has given us the Holy Spirit to fill our hearts with love. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks, Thanks be, be to God. God.
Let us come before the Lord in prayer. Dear Father God, today is the day that we celebrate Pentecost, the day the Holy Spirit came into the lives of those who first believed in the resurrection of your Son. And because of that belief, the Holy Spirit came upon those gathered, and thus the beginning of the Christian church began. Today my prayer is not written by me, and I don't know who wrote these words, but they are words that I believe in my spirit are the words I need to pray. Come, Holy Spirit, come and set our hearts afire with your love and compassion and power. We are grateful, O God, creator of the universe and lover of all people, for your invitation to worship, for this opportunity to adore you, to hear your word, and to receive it into our hearts. On this day, we want to come before you in a way pleasing to you and good for us. So we sincerely and humbly ask that you be with us, that you cleanse our speaking and our listening, that you open and enlighten our hearts and minds, and that you awaken and strengthen our willingness to acknowledge you as a master of our lives and to live for you in all situations and circumstances. O oh God, breathe into us the fresh breath of your Spirit. Let us be so filled with your presence that we live today and every day with greater grace, deeper love, and renewed joy. Come, Holy Spirit, come and set our hearts afire with your love and compassion and power. On this day, when we celebrate the birth of your church, we pray that you will give each of us and the people of this world um, your peace your shalom. We hold before you all the people of our neighborhood, our partners in ministry, our congregation, those who need a touch of healing from you, and those who have and those who have not the goods that bring us such comfort and joy. We hold before you all the people of our city. We pray for healthy relationships among our city officials so that the decisions that are made work for the good of us all. The rich the poor, the powerful, and the powerless. Come, Holy Spirit, come and set our hearts afire with your love and compassion and power. Give us courage to hold the value of your kingdom in the midst of the choices we make for ourselves and for your church. Thank you for the privilege of coming to you this morning. Do not abandon us. Let light shine where there is darkness. Let there be peace where there is now strife. Let there be courage and confidence where now there is sorrow and anxiety. Hear our prayers, not because we deserve your mercy, but for Jesus' sake, through whom you have claimed us to be your children and have redeemed us for your work in this world. Strengthen us through our service to you in our church and in our community. Bring us all at last into the awareness of your presence, where we shall praise you and honor you in all we say and do. Come, Holy Spirit, come and set our hearts afire with your love and compassion and power. We pray in the name of your Son and our Savior, Jesus Christ, that we be filled with the presence of your Holy Spirit, and he will be our guide today and every day of our life. Be with our pastor today as he brings us a message from the book of Acts. Fill him with your Spirit, Lord. May our ears and hearts be open to receive the words that he has for us. May our podcast be a blessing to all that hear it. 
May we never take the Holy Spirit for granted, and may we consider him to be our friend and realize that he will never lead us astray if we put our faith and trust in him. In your loving and powerful name, amen. This is Gary Hunley reading Acts 2, 1 through 13. On the day of the Pentecost, all the believers were meeting together in one place. Too suddenly there was a sound from heaven, like the roaring of a mighty windstorm, and it filled the house where they were sitting. Then what looked like flames or tongues of fire appeared and settled on each one of them. And everyone present was filled with the Holy Spirit and began speaking in other languages as the Holy Spirit gave this ability to them. At that time there were devout Jews from every nation living in Jerusalem. When they heard the loud noise, everyone came running, and they were bewildered to hear their own languages being spoken by the believers. They were completely amazed. How can this be? they exclaimed. These people are from Galilee. And yet we hear them speaking in our own native languages. Here we are Parthians, Medes, Elamites, people from Mesopotamia, Judea, Cappadocia, Pontus, and the providence of Asia, Phrygia, Pamphylia, Egypt, and the areas of Libya around Cyrene, visitors from Rome, both Jews and converts to Judaism, Cretans and Arabs. We all hear these people speaking in our own languages about the wonderful things God has done. They stood there amazed and perplexed. What can this mean? they asked each other. But others in the crowd ridiculed him, saying, They're just drunk, that's all. A few years ago, there was a United States men's Olympic swimmer named Michael Phelps. And I'm not a huge Olympian uh, fan, supporter, whatever. Uh, you know, if they're on, I'll watch it, but I don't go out of my way to watch it. Um, but Michael Phelps made the news in addition to breaking all sorts of swimming records for speed and, and medal counts and all of this. He made the news for the diet that he ate while he was in the Olympics and training for the Olympics. Uh, because swimming is a, is a sport that, an activity, uh, and if you've ever spent the day swimming and, and weren't thinking about it, you realize very quickly after you get out of the water, I'm pretty hungry. Uh, because swimming takes a lot out of you or even just being in the water. Uh, especially if you're like me and you are terrified of being in the water and you spend most of your time laser focused on how not to drown. Uh, but Michael Phelps would spend hours in the pool training and then competing. And so this was Michael Phelps's diet. I, I got this off of the internet. This is what Michael Phelps would eat to fuel him for swimming. For breakfast, he would have three fried egg sandwiches with tomatoes, fried onions, 
mayonnaise, lettuce, and cheese, one five-egg omelet, one bowl of grits, three slices of French toast dusted with powdered sugar, three chocolate chip pancakes, and two cups of coffee. That was breakfast. Lunch, one pound of enriched pasta, two large ham and cheese sandwiches with mayonnaise made on white bread, and 1,000 calories worth of energy drinks. Uh, and just for those of you keeping track, that is over seven 20 ounce bottles of Gatorade just to get to 1,000 calories. For dinner, he took it easy and he would only eat one pound of pasta, one eight inch pizza, more energy drinks, and sometimes he would put cream sauce uh, or a carbonara sauce on the pasta. All of that fueled Michael Phelps. And he needed that fuel to do his swimming, to, to be able to compete, to be able to train. Now, if I were to sit down and eat that much food in one day, I think it would put me in the grave. Uh, I am not that active. I, I try to walk. Uh, anywhere that I can. Uh, and every now and again, I will attempt to enjoy running. Uh, years ago, I, I played soccer uh, one or two times per week, uh, but I haven't gotten back around to that because of uh, the pandemic and being horribly out of shape. But Michael Phelps needed that fuel. John Witham doesn't. But we all need a different type of fuel. Your car takes, most likely, unleaded gasoline, uh, unless you drive a diesel, and then you have to put diesel in it. But if you put diesel in an unleaded tank, it doesn't work. And if you put unleaded in a diesel tank, it doesn't work. And so we have to be careful about the fuel that we put into us, whether we're swimmers, whether we're walkers, runners, soccer players, or an automobile. And if you're an automobile, well, most of this message does not apply to you. Um, and so we have to think about fuel. And as we observe and celebrate Pentecost, we know that there are so many different things that the Holy Spirit does for us and within us. There's no shortage of things that can be said about the Holy Spirit. Because the Holy Spirit is one third of the Trinity. There's God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. And all three are united, yet all three are their own distinct persons of the Trinity. It is a mystery. We, we can talk all day. We can write pages and pages of books and still not fully wrap our heads around that. But what we know from scripture is that the Holy Spirit is God and the Holy Spirit is the power of God living within us, both as the church and us as individuals. And the Holy Spirit guides us and leads us and reminds us of all of the things that Jesus told us and, and taught us and brings us together. There's, there's a lot, 
a lot to be said there, but one thing that I want to focus on today for the church is that the Holy Spirit is fuel for the church and the people of the church to live out the ways of Jesus. Because we have to get our fuel right as God's people if we want to be able to live out the ways of Jesus. Just like Michael Phelps needed all of that food to fuel his Olympic efforts, his Herculean task, it seems like to me, we need the Holy Spirit to be our, yes, our guide and our, our direction and our, uh, the, the gentle voice that says, uh, hey, maybe you need to be living this way a little bit differently. Um, we need the Holy Spirit for all that, but I wanna focus on fuel this morning. Because the Holy Spirit is the power of God. The Holy Spirit is the Spirit of God that called Jesus out of the grave. The Holy Spirit is resurrection power. And when Jesus emerges from the tomb, Jesus is crucified, Jesus is resurrected. And when he emerges from the tomb, he's no longer running on the air, the fuel of earth because Jesus is living off of the Holy Spirit. Jesus is living animated by the Holy Spirit. And he has a physical body, but this is the fuel that calls Jesus out of the grave. And when Jesus ascends into heaven with all power and authority given to him, the way that Jesus is present within us and within our church is the Holy Spirit. Now, sometimes we as individuals and we as, as God's people, we can get the fuel source wrong. And I think we all have been or known people who get their fuel source for life very, very wrong. We can be fueled by hatred. We can be fueled by fear. We can be fueled by anger. And in fact, we can even be fueled by good things, but given the wrong authority in our lives. That's idolatry. Um, you know, I, I love my wife, Katie, but if I, if I use my love for her to fuel my own life, then what ends up happening is I make an idol out of her and I put her on a pedestal and I neglect other people who also deserve, uh, who deserve my love and my care and my attention, including Jesus. And so when Jesus is our fuel, we are able to do the, the things that Jesus taught us to do and live out the ways of Jesus as Jesus intended us to. And that includes loving our spouses. That includes loving our neighbors. That includes loving our enemies. That includes caring about the world. And as a church, this means that we form new ways of living that are spirit-fueled, that are spirit-led and spirit-fueled. Because churches groups of people can get fueled by the wrong thing too. You know, Acts and Luke were both written by 
um, by Luke, the, the, uh, the evangelist, the author, the doctor. And if you, if you go backwards from Acts and skip over John and, and go back to Luke, uh, then what you see is just a few chapters before the end of Luke, there's a crowd shouting, crucify him, crucify him. And this crowd is fueled by anger. This crowd is fueled by lies. And in our country and in our world, we have seen the evidence of crowds being fueled by lies that do terrible things. We've seen crowds that have been fueled by lies that have, uh, that have caused great and, and terrible uh, devastation and have threatened the, the very fabric of our, of our government. And when we as God's people on a much smaller scale are, are fueled by the wrong thing, then our, our churches can become places that, uh, that are not following and fueled by the ways of Jesus. We can, we can be fueled by comfort. We can be fueled by, uh, by wanting, to, uh, wanting to have people around us who are familiar and, and make church about the people that we're comfortable with and not a place where the Holy Spirit is pulling all sorts of people in to live together as the kingdom of God. And so if our fuel is wrong, then we won't be able to run the way that we should. And when we see the disciples on this day of Pentecost, they're not, they're not necessarily anticipating something new. They're anticipating uh, power from on high at some point. It had been promised by Jesus. And the disciples are being obedient. The disciples are waiting. Jesus had said, wait in the city. You know, chill out, hang out here wait in the city for power from on high. And then he says, you will go be my witnesses. And so sometimes for us to get this fuel right, we need to sit and, and wait and discern together. Where are we getting this right and where are we getting this wrong? What, what does this fuel for our church what does this fuel for our lives look like? How does the Holy Spirit energize us and push us onward? Sometimes that means that we need to pay more attention to prayer together. Sometimes that means that we need to pay more attention to scripture together. Sometimes that means that there is uh, an idol of comfort or power in our midst that we need to give up and, and repent of that and come back to the ways of Jesus. When we do as the disciples did, and as, as God's people, we sit and we wait in obedience to the, to, for, for the Holy Spirit, for the power that Jesus promised us. It is within us. Pentecost has already happened. But sometimes we, we let all this get in the way. We let the things of this world say that they're the ultimate power. And that's getting our fuel wrong again. 
we say to the things of this world, well, this is just the way things are and we have to work within this. And this is, this is not what the Holy Spirit does. The Holy Spirit blows in and changes everything. And sometimes in our lives, it does not happen as dramatically as it did on the day of Pentecost. Sometimes we get our fuel, the, the Holy Spirit's fire, in a very still, small, quiet way that cuts through the noise and clutter of our our day-to-day -day lives that cuts through the endless barrage of, of entertainment we surround ourselves with. And, and it's a still small voice that calls us back to Jesus. Sometimes as a group of people, sometimes as a church, we can get really sidetracked by all of the things that we're doing, that, that we're doing for God rather than being with God and living out of that another way we get our fuel wrong. But one thing that I want to note is that when we are living out of the fuel of the Holy Spirit, when the, when the Holy Spirit is energizing and motivating us, it draws us together. The disciples were together. The disciples did not have these individual popcorn experiences with the Holy Spirit. Rather, they were together and the Holy Spirit animated them. And they began speaking in foreign languages. This is not speaking in tongues. Uh, glossolalia is the, the proper term for that. This is not speaking in tongues. This is something that the Holy Spirit is doing to indicate that all people are being drawn to Christ through the power of the Holy Spirit and through the witness of Jesus' disciples who are fueled by the Holy Spirit. And so when the disciples together are speaking out of the power of the Holy Spirit, people are drawn together as a group to pay attention to what God is doing. When our lives as, as a church and individuals are radically fueled and authentically fueled by the Holy Spirit, when we get this right, it draws people together and creates a new people because this is what God was doing in Jesus Christ, is he was creating, he was fulfilling the covenant that he had made with Abraham. And he was calling through Christ all the peoples of the world to be blessed by being part of this new creation, by being reconciled to him and being fueled and, and filled with God himself so that we could live out the ways of love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And when we do this together, it's called the church. When we are this new people who are living out the ways of the spirit, we are the church. And then when we go and live our, our individual lives in, in, our, in our own way, we are, are still part of the church. We are still faithful and committed to the church. But when we meet people, they'll notice that we are being fueled by something else. Because God is not interested 
in just helping us have a, a different sort of spiritual experience. God is interested in us being new creations. And in this new creation, the breath of life, the spirit of life, the means of life, the fuel for life is God himself. And this is what Pentecost is about, calling a new people, calling all people to God, God filling us through the Lordship of Christ, filling us with the Holy Spirit so that we can live out the ways of Jesus and so that the world will know that God's new creation is here, that it's breaking in, and it is the way to life. The Holy Spirit fuels us for life. If we'll listen, can we let the Holy Spirit fuel us as a church to bring us together to live out the ways of Jesus? Or can we, or, and can we let the Holy Spirit fuel us individually to live out the ways of Jesus? Because the Holy Spirit is here. The Holy Spirit is in our midst. And the Holy Spirit wants to be the fuel for our lives if we'll just pay attention.
We thank you for joining us for worship this morning. And we hope and pray that as you have worshiped, you have uh, felt the Holy Spirit present with you uh, because the Holy Spirit is what enables us to worship. As we have prayed, as we have sung, as we have heard God's word read and proclaimed, we have done all this through the fuel of the Holy Spirit. I'd like to thank Jeannie Vance, our church pianist, for our prelude this morning. I'd like to thank Melissa Mellinger, our director of worship and youth, for leading us in song. I'd like to thank Jim Leatherman, our church moderator, for uh, leading us in prayer. I'd like to thank Katie Witham and the First Baptist Readers for our creative scripture readings. Uh, and I'd like to thank Gary and Doreen Hunley, our audio engineers, for making everything sound good. This week for our benediction, we're actually going to go to a creative scripture reading uh, and consider uh, what it might look like for the Holy Spirit uh, to lead us out of worship this morning. May the grace and peace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you. The Lord asked me, son of man, can these bones become living people again? O Sovereign Lord, I replied, you alone know the answer to that. Then the Lord said to me, look, I am going to put breath into you and make you live again. I will put flesh and muscles on you and cover you with skin. I will put breath into you and you will come to life. Then you will know that I am the Lord. I will put my spirit in you and you will live again. I will sing to the Lord as long as I live. I will praise my God to my last breath. May all my thoughts be pleasing to him, for I rejoice in the Lord. Let all that I am praise the Lord. May God be merciful and bless us. May his face smile with favor on us. May your ways be known throughout the earth, your saving power among people everywhere. May the nations praise you, O God. Yes, may all the nations praise you. Let the whole world sing for joy because you govern the nations with justice and guide the people of the whole world.